everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes. Make sure the levels fall from low. I got the girls shining oh so bright. Howdy. Yeah, we do have to push record on the camera. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Hi, Tex. I think I just took a picture. How does it look? How did it taste? Is it recording? Speed. Are we rolling? Speed. Speed, what does that, does that mean action? Yeah. <laughs> That's my Kenny, the cameraman. John, you still got to watch heavyweights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's on my list of things to do with all my free time. Mm. Well, no, it's a kid's movie. Mm. It's family time. Uh-huh. What did we watch yesterday? Um, Monday Night Football. Mm. Yeah. TV time on a school night? Not yeah. in the summer's household. Mm-mm. Monday Night Football. Uh, during the week, uh, the only TV that can be on is sports. Nice. So we were all watching... Right. I- uh, I don't awesome. know if you guys watched the game, but uh, Did not only know. Patriots, dude. Mahomes okay. is so good. Well, first it it was very interesting in the the coaching. So the first half it was six to three. So Belichick was keeping him in there, but the Hoyer, the backup quarterback for yeah. Patriots, was no. doing everything he can to keep him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he wasn't was doing fun. anybody any favors. And uh, Mahomes just all of a sudden just starts slanging the ball. And what's so amazing so in the second half. is uh, like he sidesteps and moves in the pocket so well that it gives the re- uh, receivers a second and third opportunity to, yeah. to like juke him. Break it. And then the dude can just air it out. It's really – it's pretty impressive, man. And Andy Reid's play calling is like – I mean, I don't know if you saw they ran that little like reverse on the goal line. Like I they, was the first half only on Mondays. They got to go to bed. Dude, they were uh, they ran like a little inside zone, and they ran the receiver in motion. And he just handed him the ball, which is hilarious because I guarantee um, they didn't call that play in the huddle. What happened is he called the offensive line to do something, and then he just said to the receiver, "I'm going to pitch you the ball," because the offensive line like sold it. Like it was pretty good. Like I because I I'd been in that situation before with Andy where they called a play and then they had something else going on so that like we weren't in on the joke. So you'd sell the play. Yeah. Because you don't you don't know. Well, well, sometimes when you think on a reverse, you like all of a sudden you're like going in there trying to like get in position to help. Mm-hmm. Now these dudes just came off the ball, they pitched it, the dude did a little it was really like watching it, it was a well called game. And it's pretty rare to see Belichick get it stuck in his ass like that. And you couldn't see his sour face because he was wearing two masks. <laughs> He was wearing two masks. Yeah, he was wearing two. He was wearing a, a, like an N95 and he had another thing up, which is hilarious because I love Belichick, the look on his face of just pure hatred and sourness. And in his mind, he's like, fucking Tom Brady. That's mm-hmm. all he was probably thinking. Or Cam Newton, this asshole. Oh, dude. And then uh, I don't know if you saw Edelman. They, the quarterback went to throw that little out to Edelman. And he almost like it was too routine. He like turned his head, to, you know, thinking he was going to run. And the ball bounced out of his hand, right into the receiver's or the the corner, and he ran for a touchdown. Oh man, dude, unbelievable! I would not want to be. Well, actually, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting in uh, well, Foxborough. I can't imagine. So, how the first half ended? I'm thinking, man, I feel so bad for Hoyer right now because 10 seconds left. You're in the red zone. You're either going to throw it away or get a touchdown. And he runs around and pretends he's Cam Newton. Takes a sack, no timeouts, 
They can't kick a field goal. <laughs> and oh, yeah. it could have been 6-6 six, six at half. Yeah. yeah. And then they just beat the brakes off. And then uh, as the brakes were getting beat off of that, I clicked on and watched the Atlanta game, which is funny because uh, my wife's a huge Atlanta fan, and they're 0-3, and they're awful. And we're 0-4. Texans, well, it's now, a strong club. Yeah. And uh, the best part is, is like she didn't even want to watch the game. She just was like, bah, like went to bed. And I was like, oh, not happy about this. But what about the Texans? Firing their head coach. Well, they're screwed for years because they fire sailed everything. And J.J. Watt's new head coach. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, you know, uh, what's pretty interesting is uh, after, like, I, I think I told you that that dude was going to get fired. I didn't know he was going to get fired after the third, what is it, third or fourth game. But um, the fact that he got rid of every good player on that team for garbage draft picks. What? Yeah. And then gave away good draft picks. For garbage players, mm-hmm. it's I think Vegas, like because Texans are zero and four against the spread. So I think Bill Beal, uh, not Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien, I think he was on the take. I heard that uh, here first, dude. He uh, a lot of hot takes. Not only from is he a well, we're talking head coach. about sports memories today. I got a lot of good Texan sports memories, <laughs> just not this year. Uh, I have a Texas uh, Texan sports memory that I was going to bring up too, which is actually one of my favorite memories, uh, but. Man, I, I was laughing, and then somebody went through and was, and was playing all the decisions that he made as a GM for personnel, and they were like, he should have just been fired as a GM alone. The fact that he's their head coach means that this guy should never get a job again. Uh, the, the, oh, the only damn. smart thing is Jason Whitlock came out this morning and was like, uh, the Texans should try to hire Eric Bieniemy right now. I don't know who that is. Eric Bieniemy. He's the uh, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Well, why would he leave this gravy train of Patrick Mahomes had gig. Well, a uh, little bit of history. Patrick or uh, Eric B. Enemy played at Colorado, and he was our running back when I was uh, a rookie at the Chiefs. And I remember seeing him. You don't like. I don't know if you remember, but he was the dude with like the salute and the whole deal. And I remember him playing college football. And so when I'm I'm in the huddle and I see Eric B. Enemy, I'm like, holy shit, that's Eric B. Enemy. I can't believe. Like I'm in the NFL. It was one of my like welcome to the NFL moments. And then uh, he was always a good dude. And then he came back as an assistant and uh, has been, you know, I mean, should have probably been a head coach last year, but that's pretty amazing. Uh, From that team, uh, Ron Rivera was our linebackers coach. Sean McDermott was our quality control. Andy Reid, our defensive uh, backs coach was Steve Spagnola. Um, John Harbaugh was our special teams coach. So you're talking about like five or six. Twenty percent of the head coaches in the NFL fell. Yeah, we're on that staff when I was a rookie. Wow. I mean, so pretty, pretty amazing. And then um, uh, Brad Childress, who's a complete cocksucker. You hear it here, and I will never use that term other than for him. Uh, he left and went, and he was the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't even think he has a job anymore. He was so no, they be- he saved his own job. He beat the Texans. So <sighs> yeah, Chili. That's what I used to call him. But yeah, I mean, the amount of coaches that came out of that staff is absolutely insane. That's a good coach. I mean, yeah. Today's actually National Coach Day mm. as we record this. Yeah. How about that? So it's, I guess that's a good segue after Monday Night Football and uh, the Titanic. I'm going to call it the Hindenburg of a team, the Houston Texans. Uh-oh. Burn. Uh, it's true. Well, literally. Literally. Yeah. It burned down. In <laughs> well, I mean, if, <laughs> uh, I mean funny. if J.J. Watt was as good as you think he is, he probably could have saved that guy's job. He's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Ah, oh, man. Okay. Uh, dude, the best was they showed a picture of J.J. Watt talking to his brothers. 
And, oh yeah, before uh, the game. And before the game. <laughs> well, that was Pittsburgh. Was yeah. Pittsburgh. No, I, I know, but he's like, "Take me with you." It was all the memes. Oh, that's the meme. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing ing. We'll, Zero. We'll superimpose the audio of John's ing from previous recordings in there. Um, superimposed. <laughs> Wait, the fucking goat from Adam Sandler. <laughs> What the hell does that mean? Uh, <laughs> These fucking don't even know what superimposed means. That's right. It's another crew episode answering, bringing answers to you all, giving you loves and mind hugs, I think is what we're saying, or I've been saying. You guys haven't been saying that. But Nobody's been saying that. The hotline is open, baby. And it's hot. That's right. The number is 949. I don't know. Hang on. 929. 949 is the old... Everybody, put your pencils down. <laughs> We're resetting. Pick your pencils up. 929-464-4640. Correct. That number is 929-ing-ing-zero. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And man, it was a busy weekend for the hotline. Got a lot of love. A lot of love on the hotline. I mean... We're hiring assistants left and right just to field all the voicemails. <laughs> well, the assistant keeps leaving voicemails. That's the problem. <laughs> Speaking of the assistant leaving voicemails, here he is now. I thought he was the assistant to the traveling secretary. Yeah, he's oh. the assistant to the assistant of the district manager. Uh, this is Fig Newton calling from Massachusetts. <laughs> I thought it was Fig from Newton. Hey, group. TC calling in. Uh, my radio broke on the drive home, so... I figured I'd do something and talk to myself, but I was wondering what uh, your favorite sports memories are, both personally as a as an athlete and also as a fan or spectator. It doesn't have to be live, but as a fan. Looking forward to hearing. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Fig Newton, for calling in anonymously, a.k.a. TC. Uh, all right, gents. I feel like uh, I think Tex and I will have the more relatable stories for our listeners. But as you know, Jean Wilborn A, actually the Jean Wilborn, probably has some epic athlete version of the stories. But then it'll also be interesting to hear John like having played on at like at that level as a spectator. What is like what's worthy of your your favorite sports memories. So cool. I don't know how you guys want to start. Take the floor. Floor is yours. Well, yeah. I guess I'll go as a fan. What, should we Should we all hit fans? I think yeah. fans are quicker. Yeah. I do have a fun athlete story that it is a little chunked out. Yeah. I, I'll go as a fan. And the, I was telling Texas morning, like I was a really like a, a Chicago sports fanatic. I shouldn't say sports, Chicago football, basketball fanatic when I was like in the nineties. Right. So, Obviously, there's like the Bulls three-peat, the six-peat, you know, the, the, the repeat three-peat. I mean, those were like, I can remember watching that with my buddy Radke and just like, we were, like, you could not get us off the TV watching that. But I have to say the most excited I can recall being as a fan in recent history was 2007, Bears Super Bowl, Devin Hester returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown after like a defensive season that got them into that Super Bowl. That's Rex Grossman, Kyle Ortman, like 
alternating the starting role in this weird quarterback identity controversy. What year was that? 07? 07. 07. God, I remember that game. And, uh, and yeah, Dev Dev ran it back, and I, I was having a Super Bowl party at my house. We had rearranged all the furniture to stadium seating. It was uh, a party that was jello shots and chili cook-off. Mm. And, like, we after that, I knew the Bears had won. Which, spoiler alert. <laughs> they didn't win. They didn't win. Yeah. But I didn't make it to the Who, end of the uh, game. Was it the Patriots? Um, I think the Chargers. No. No. Uh, Colts. Colts. It's Peyton Manning right. Super Bowl. That was, yeah, Rex Grossman right. versus Peyton Manning. Yeah. Two Hall of Famers. <laughs> Devin Hester, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Brian Urlacher and... Uh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But that was like... I remember just that run back. I can't tell you how excited that I, whole house was. Chili is flying everywhere, John. <laughs> the whole tray of jello shots is spilled, like onto white carpet. They're blue. But, and then like into the fireplace. It was just a, it was a madhouse. And everybody just like the party ripped up. It was on from there. And then like half the guys didn't make it to halftime. So like the next morning. People were like, wow, we won. You're like, I, you didn't see the No, the next course. morning we woke up and it was like everybody's, I was telling text like Chili's all over the house. Where it's not supposed to be, jello shots all over the house where they're not supposed to be. My friends all over the house where they're definitely not supposed to be because it's like a it's a work day. Everybody had to like roll up and get to work, and well, that's um, why we have the uh, Monday after Super Bowl as a power athlete holiday. That's right, and but things aren't quite as wild as they used to be. Yeah, but we still hold true to the original memories. Mm-hmm. So that was like that. I think it takes takes the podium for my like. Fan sports memory because that was like a that was a really like that was a crazy year to be a Bears fan because they were not that good and there's like all these there's like three or four huge late defensive comebacks like takeaways and uh, you know those just made for real like fun football and then Dev Dev the uh, mine's mine's in line with baseball so growing up Astros were good. And there was always this inkling because they played in a day playoff game. And playoffs back then, it was like one game and then you advance. And there was always this this dream. And there were certain kids within middle school age, that's when they were good. Like you get the note, your dad's here to pick you up to, to go to the game. So my dad was, if I can get tickets, if I can get tickets. And during the middle school, I never got the opportunity. So you miss the game because you're in school. And then some kids like got poked up around me. But then finally, they're good again in 2017 and 18. And we went to, my dad and I went to every single playoff game. And they won the World Series in 2017 and then 18. So 2017, it was, it was an awesome buzz because not a championship town. And then you got to, to be there for the winning. It was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, this is when they played the Red Sox. We went to all playoff games. But then it was game five. Bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. You got your all-star at the plate, and it's just this moment. And my dad's actually a Red Sox fan, so it's his team versus my team. We get this moment, and then the Astros Bregman, he hits this ball, and it's just dropping, dropping. And then to end the game, the Red, one of the Red Sox players makes one of the most ridiculous, amazing web gem plays that I've ever seen in my entire life to just rip your fucking heart out. <laughs> and it was like shit. And then my dad just fucking leaps up in the middle of Houston Stadium. There's some Red Sox fan there, but not like loud and obnoxious, can't believe it. And so he's excited. It's just this high and low. The year before we're rooting together and then we're rooting against each other. 
and Red Sox go on and win the World Series, but then like, ah, I can't not be happy that we're fucking here together. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But God damn it. It's fucking amazing catch to, to end and just have it. So it was winning and losing within those two years, the experience and then the fucking great crowd sold out in that stadium during the daytime. So now I got to the opportunity instead of skipping school, I just skipped work. Skipped work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> drive three hours to Houston for a game and then drive back that night and then do it again the the next day in the next week. And so that was well, thanks, John, for the... <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was a good great. memories, man. I uh, Believe me, I'd much rather you sit here and tell me that story because I guarantee you, well, you don't really get much done at work anyway. So, I mean, it's not like you missed anything. So what I wouldn't say I missed it. <laughs> you say you do. you do here. I take the specs from the engineers to the people. Uh, well, you know, what? The, the best part is I didn't have to hear you crying in the bathroom that day. Because that's what we put in. Long drive home. <laughs> it's like, who's we- I'm like, Luke, who's weeping in the bathroom? I'm like, text again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what do you got, big guy? Uh, I got a couple, man. I, I can't really put a finger on them. But um, uh, as a spectator, I remember the first NFL game I went to uh, when I was in. So when I was in middle school, uh, I went to school with Art, or with Art Shell's son, Chris. So Art Shell, Hall of Fame tackle for the Raiders, went on and was the head coach. Um, so before he was the head coach, Mr. Shell was my basketball coach. So he coached our basketball team, and Chris and I were buddies, and he gets the uh, head job to be the head, co- uh, head coach for the Raiders, and we got to go to the game, or Chris invited me to go to the Raiders game, and like we got to sit up in the press box, we got to go down on the field, we got to go in the locker room, and it was, uh, it was pretty much like the first time that I had ever like been to a football game and seen it and been around the guys. I got to meet like Lyle Alzado and Howie Long and, and all these dudes, like Mike Golick, and I remember... I've told you guys a story that like, I think I was 10 years old because I was like in junior lifeguards and it started when I was nine. I think I was probably 10. So this was before that. And we were at the beach and we saw Lyle Alzado walk by Mm -hmm. and the dude was wearing like a string tank top and like basically like uh, silky shorts, like uh, dolphin running shorts. And he had to be 320 pounds, like 5% body fat. Like I've never in my life seen, he looked like a fucking superhero. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that point, we just like started following him. Yeah. Like we don't know why. Like, we were just, like, following him, and he turned around, and we were, like, and he fucking, like, yelled at us, and, like, we kept following him, and then he fucking yelled at us again, and we ran away, because he was going to fucking kill us. Um, but, uh, so I actually got to go, like, see these dudes, and I remember being, like, they were, they were like, these, like, bigger, larger-than-life characters, and uh, it was pretty amazing, because uh, we got to see Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he was so big, and so fast, and moved so well. It was, it was just pretty amazing. To like now that I look back all those years, like what an amazing opportunity as a kid to go to that game. Uh, the other cool they thing. They were LA Raiders. When LA he was... Raiders. And the other cool thing is the Pointer Sisters sang the national anthem and we got to meet the Pointer Sisters and get a picture with them, which I can't, I don't have. And I guess probably don't even know who the Pointer Sisters are. Uh, name were, rings a bell. But... They were like in the 80s, like three black chicks, like kind of like Motown. They sang the, the song from, um, the only reason I remember is from... Uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. From, from yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. So yeah. we got to meet them, which I thought was super fucking cool because they sang the song in, uh, they were like RCA recording artists, the Pointer Sisters from Beverly Hills Cop. So Well, actually, it's Neutron Dance from Beverly Hills Cop, That's what but they are the I'm so most excited. known for, yeah. Yeah, I'm they, so excited. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And they like, yeah, so they, they played the shit out of that song. So I remember that moment. 
Um, but the other cool one was years later when I was in high school, my older brothers played at uh, D- Division Three, the Claremont schools. And my brother Rob played left tackle and my brother Eddie played left guard. And they used to fucking argue and fight the entire fucking game, right? Like, fuck you, Eddie. And like, I like it was pretty funny because it was maybe like 50 people, 100 people. Yeah, in, yeah. So in, in you could hear. Oh, yeah. You could totally hear. And they're fucking out there yelling at people. And my brother Rob, like my brother Eddie is a really good athlete, like incredible technician. Like everything was perfect. Played with pad level, moved. My older brother, none of that. Yeah. But just yeah. sheer fucking size and strength. And like... Watching him play was more like a WWF wrestler. He would just like fucking drop dudes with like <laughs> which, this. Which position do you say each guy was? Uh, Rob was played tackle? left tackle. Okay. And Eddie played left guard. Okay. And they used to just fucking destroy people. But like I remember Rob out there just like picking these dudes up. And he was probably six seven, like 300 plus pounds mm-hmm. playing Division three football. And yeah, he was a Division yeah. one football player that transferred in. And uh, like my brother Eddie had played a Division two, And then they both transferred to this Division three school and just used to fucking work people over. So we used to go to the games. Every Saturday we would go and we would sit there and my dad would heckle the coaches from the fucking stands. Why don't we have that play? <laughs> you know, and he would just fucking like, Jesus Barker, can you get a first end? Like to the point where like after the and guy, his, his voice kind of carries, yeah, right? Yeah, like, bellows. And mm-hmm. so the best is we would sit there and the boys, like we'd all go out to dinner after and the boys would be like, seriously, dad, like the, the coach asked me for you to stop heckling him. And a coach Barker, who was their head coach, ended up becoming a scout for the Rams and was hilarious because every year when I'd go walking out, like all the scouts, the other team scouts show up to training camp for the, the teams. And I would come walking out and I'd be like, because coach Barker had these, like a pear shape and he had these huge legs. And I'd go walking out there and I'd be like, man, I only know one person in this world that's got pear legs like that. That's got to be fucking coach Barker. Sure enough, he'd be like, hey, John. I'd be like, fucking coach Barker. I've known this dude since I was like yeah. 12 years old. Um, so that was a pretty good one. Uh, I mean, the NFL stuff, like there's like so many bitchin' memories. Um, like the time I got kicked out of the Maxim party at the Super Bowl, which probably can't tell on, on this radio station, which was one of my favorites. But uh, probably one of my favorite moments was there was a hurricane coming. We were supposed to play the Houston Texans in uh, Houston on a Sunday, and their hurricane came in, and they came in, and they're like, we're leaving tomorrow to go play the game on a Thursday night. So we all packed up. We were like, we had like one day of practice. We got on, we went down there and we played the game. There was like a few thousand fans because it was pouring rain. We went down there and we actually, I think we had like six rushing touchdowns in the first half, which had never happened in the NFL. So it was an NFL record, six touchdowns. They all like at halftime, they were, they came in and they were talking about a mercy rule. It was fucking, uh, we obliterated them and uh, it was pretty good. We all got these bitching game balls. And I remember um, Dick Vermeil said, you know, it's always great to do something that nobody's ever done before. And that was that piece. I was like Larry Johnson and uh, um, Priest Holmes just fucking running crazy on those dudes. So that was pretty cool memory. Uh, I mean, the NFL stuff, like, man, um, I remember when we beat the Chicago Bears in the playoffs. And as we're walking off the field, they were bringing the bulldozers and the cranes in and started demoing it before yeah. the people had even left the stadium because they, they didn't expect the Bears to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they were like weeks behind on starting the, the construction yeah, of New Soldier new Field. Yeah. So like as we're walking off, they were like opening up these like gates and bringing in the bulldozers. Fuck. And I thought yeah. that was pretty neat. Um, but just like, just really pretty amazing games. Like I've told you guys the one about... Um, 
uh, knocking out Bruce Smith on the last play of his game of his uh, yeah. of his career, yeah. and then seeing him a year later at the Super Bowl and thinking he was going to beat me up, and then realize that he went and bought me a bunch of drinks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a lot of great moments as athletes, but um, I'll tell you, like if I um, the two things that made it kind of attainable, I think, was as a little kid going and seeing these guys. Mm-hmm. And like making the decision, like when I saw Alzado and all those dudes, I was like, I want to be big and strong. And then seeing my brothers do it, I think was a really big motivator. And then, you know, just lifting weights and training and, you know, thank God I grew to be as tall as I was and be able to. Yeah. You got know. like the best of both your brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean. Like the work hard violence WWE <laughs> with, with like the ability to be a technician. Yeah. You know, it's it, pretty interesting. The um, Found the game, John. You started right tackle. It was. 45 to 17 Chiefs over at the half? Texans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 31 7 at halftime. Yeah. So it was, it was uh, uh, what was it? It was November 2005. Yeah, but like it was like five rushing touchdowns in the first half, I want to say. Or was it, was, is that what it was? Whoa. I'd have to go look at the game ball. They gave us a ball with it. It was something crazy. Yeah. Well, Texans' only score was the kickoff return. Yeah. Been there. So (laughs) it it was uh, like those moments, especially like, uh, yeah, it was, they were really bad. So, um, but man, we just had some really amazing memories like over the years of like playing with guys and like moments that you'll like, you'll never get back. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I definitely wish everybody got a chance to, to see it from that side. I think it would give people like a whole ton of perspective. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun. But yeah, like uh, I still to this day can remember sitting in the stands watching my brothers play and thinking how cool it was that they got to go out and do this and then listening to my dad fucking heckle these people. <laughs> He's such a Oh, man. It's fucking Bob Wellborn, Division three, And like, you know, he, he was paying for my brother's school because there was no scholarships. And I want to say it was like 20 grand a year per kid. So my dad, who didn't believe in any debt, just was fucking writing a check for it. So it was yeah. 40 grand a year he was writing for their school. And he felt that that $40,000 check entitled, uh, him, entitled to- him to go there <laughs> and fucking talk shit at every fucking game and be like, why don't we have that play? Can we get it first? You know, just fucking yeah. On the, just the, on the repeater. <laughs> it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is great. So yeah, I, I do remember that. All right. I got to take the D3 segue. Go. So this is from my, my senior year. And we had a pretty... Pretty stacked team, best best team in school history, simply because all of us started as freshmen together and then played, and we finally like gelled and were a team. And every year we played a all boys private school called Hampton Sydney. So we went home and home, and then the senior year it lines up, it's at our home field. But the deal with our school is we didn't have a home field. We play at local private high schools. That was the best that we could do in Arlington, Virginia, Marymount University. But anyway, it lines up, and we have a chip on our shoulder because every freaking year, it's these private school kids. Are, are they high school kids? No. No. So Hampton City is coming to our high school home field. So they're all but, in college. Oh, they're all in oh, college. Okay, yeah, okay, Division okay. three. So the best. So you guys are all in college, but you're playing at a high school field. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. just right, the way right. this... It, it worked was. out. I for thought that school. at Marymount, that in college, you guys were playing high schools. Yeah, girls. Well, girls yeah, we yeah, beat up. Girls, yeah, yeah beat field up, hockey. And we were undefeated. It was fucking <laughs> really good for our self esteem. But anyway, so we always had it out for these guys. And the one thing we had over them was we actually had girls at a school. So we'd mm-hmm. never let them forget that. But previous years, they had just 
beat the shit out of us. But this was our year, and I'll tell you why. Why? The story goes. So we're warming up, and how lacrosse warm-ups, it's a 100-yard field, just like football, and you break up, and your team gets the 50 an hour before the game. The other team gets the 50 an hour before the game. Goalies are shooting their shots, and you get about 10 minutes once the 60-minute pregame clock starts to just pass around. You got your headphones in. You're just getting loose. And then at 50, we start our formal team warm-up, do a warm-up lap, and go into dynamic warm-up. They started their warm-up lap early. So we had our 10 minutes just getting our mind right, and finally, all right, it's, it's go time. We we're going to line up on our sideline. And in lacrosse, you're on the same sideline versus football opposite because uh-huh. we run and we transfer like live, like hockey, through, through one single box. And you can alternate offense-defense on the fly. So both of us are on the same warm-up side. They started their lap early and started going around their goal and then their lap continues. It's supposed to like cut off at the 50 and they run across midfield. And at that point, you can hoot and holler and just try to, you know, shout at the other team at that point while you're coming around back to your starting sideline. All of us are on our sideline, putting on our gear, shoulder pads, all that, cleats, everything. And their warm-up lap goes around their goal and continues past the 50. Mm-hmm. And they are continuing past our fans, basically parents, on the sidelines and brothers and all that. And they start to go around our goal. And we're like, what the fuck? And refs, this should like start the game with a penalty. Refs aren't doing anything about it. Our goalies have to stop their warm-up because you can't like shoot at the kids. So goal, it's messing the goalies up. And they start coming around the backside of the sideline where we're all 40 dudes just getting dressed and geared up. And how they're running is like a line of two. So imagine 40 other guys just two and two running around the field, hooting and hollering, not shutting up. And they start to approach us as we're getting dressed. And next to me is this freshman, this black kid from Maryland. He was a hockey player that got the opportunity to come and play lacrosse. I'm a hockey player. I'm here to play golf today. Oh, yeah. He's he's freaking stacked and jacked. Sean Latimer is his name, like Latimer from the program. Oh, gosh. Dude, couldn't catch and throw to save his life, but... It was our goon for the year. And so these guys, these line of two are splitting us on the sideline. Like as we're getting dressed and people are like what the pissed off and I'm next to Sean. Sean basically just drops trow. He's got boxer shorts on a cup and he's wearing a sleeveless shirt. And I'll never forget it. It's this one dog mounting another dog. And the shirt says every dog has its day. And this dude just bodies up first guy off the bus you know Mm -hmm. and stands and as i'm standing right behind sean and as the two guys are passing sean instead of hooting and hollering talk shit all of them just shut up just tight butthole so they shut up as soon as they pass sean in me Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go back to their sideline to get in their huddle and go and it's quiet from then on out and we're we're freaking charged up yeah so you guys didn't fight him no, we didn't have to. Oh, I was waiting for like but a then, fight story. The, the, we came out in our offense. We had a couple really emotional dudes on our team that on offense that just took that personally, and they quick goals, fast goals, and then defense. We came together the second half, and we didn't allow them a goal, and they were mm-hmm. good. So they were ranked number 13. So we had a, a win over a ranked team that year and uh, one of the best wins in history, but – Every dog has its day. It was fucking Sean Latimer. So what was in with the pants? You. What do you mean? 
Why pull the pants down? Well, he was just boxers and cup. Uh-huh. So he was basically you mean putting, cup over the boxers. Yeah, putting on his cup and just stopped getting dressed and oh, just I stood and stared each one of these freaking Hampton Sydney private school boys down. Just, so how big is this guy? Uh, he's probably six three, but just naturally ripped to shit. Yeah, yeah. As an eighteen year old. So six three, so like two hundred and fifteen so pounds, two twenty. Hockey player. Cup over the boxers. What's so what the kid did? He's a hockey player. I don't make no sense to me. Oh, Who hockey did? players are idiots. You hear me, hockey players? I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just yeah. kidding. But, but terrible athletes, seriously. Yeah, went on <laughs> went on to win. And the the coolest part to cap it is we're we're filming the game behind the stands mm-hmm. and. Colin Jackson's brother, who's one year older than Colin, played Division One lacrosse at Mount St. Mary's, would come to each of our home games just trying to relive his glory days yeah, yeah. with a big gulp full of Bloody Mary mix and vodka oh, and just sit there for two hours on the opposite parent's team <laughs> and just heckle and talk shit. And then on the camera, and we put this up on YouTube because it was like one of our like happy hour nights as a team. We got back together and watched it. And on the, the video... Mm-hmm. Some parents talk shit. They're like, is this your home field? Is this your home field? And on the camera, Nick Jackson is just like, who cares? You just fucking lost. Yeah. And yeah. they, yeah, the team disrespected, like even before, because we were right next door to a country club. They called our coach to ask if like they minded us, them showering in our locker room to then go prepare for some big dinner at the country club uh-huh. next to the school. And he's like, nope. No. Nice. And then every dog has its day and freaking beat number 13. Yeah. Legend, legendary story. Nice. I got to find that t-shirt now, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's, what's Latimer up to now? Oh, I, we, we want to save that for a different podcast. Okay. <laughs> Just behind the music. I can imagine that. It's like the guys are coming around thinking they're digging you and then like. The, well, goon, the goon stands up towering over these dudes jacked and just. Well, the one black dude. And they were like. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, let's see. I, you know, I don't. I, I don't know which one kind of, in terms of my personal athletic career, which, as you all know, lasted from second grade till senior year in high school. Um, but along the lines of that story, like a kind of like a redemption before it even started, I would say was my first varsity year. I probably have talked about this on the podcast before, but like the big thing was like the USA Today rankings. You guys remember that in high school football rankings, USA Today? Um, We had come off or we had started the season like ranked number three, which is probably not accurate. Understanding the talent, like now understanding the talent in Florida, California, Southern California and Texas, Texas, like suburban white boys from, from Naperville, like very undersized, did not deserve that ranking. So that said, um, the local WGN News, I think, the local high school sports correspondent was a guy named Bob Sakamoto. And he wrote in the papers, he had like a, a, a local cable TV like news segment in our preseason game, which wasn't like we were in the DVC. I don't think this other team was in the DVC. What, man, Lockport maybe? Um, but they had this stud running back who's like three-year varsity starter named Craig Dupong, right? And Craig Dupong, his prediction was Craig Dupong was going to knock Naperville Central off the USA Today um, uh, top football rankings or whatever because the defense was too young. Nine out of 11 were were uh, juniors, so not like first-year varsity players, of which 
yours truly was one of those. And, um, or no, was this senior year? It had to have been senior year. So yeah, so then they were going to knock us down. Pre-tattoo or post-tattoo? Oh, it's definitely post-tattoo. And, uh, but they were supposed to knock us off. Like Craig DuPont was, is going to like, he's going to show Naperville and Naperville Central what's up. And, um, Man, that kid came out and I think had negative negative rush yards. And it was like our first defensive, just pure domination. And that year was like a, a pretty heavy defensive year uh, for high school football. And that, that was where I should have scored my only varsity touchdown. But it got called back because my boy Joe Alvarez had got called for defensive holding. On They played double wing misdirection offense. Like, so they're, all, they're doing all the option shit. So they... The, the task of the nose tackles, tackle the fullback. Every play, just tackle the fucking fullback, right? Yeah, you take one. Yep. And then uh, it just so happened take to be play action. Play action, quick slant. I jumped the slant, grabbed it, picked six. It was glorious, but then it got called back for defensive holding on that, which is bullshit. But it was probably that game because we, like, that's set the tempo for the year. And Bob, like, kind of the same deal. Like, don't tell us we can't do it. Bob Sakamoto. And then, um, yeah, that was... But that that definitely was senior year because I wouldn't have been standing up. I was playing D line my soft or my junior year, taking it to Bob Sakamoto. Fuck you, Bob. And you now have this mural in your office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like at the end of the year, you know, we had a photographer came and shot all the games, and then at the end of the year, all the parents go into this auditorium, and he does like he presents his selects on the slideshow. And then, like, parents just buy pictures of their kids, essentially. Genius. You know what I mean? And uh, my folks bought, like, he had this epic me crossing the goal line, hands up. <laughs> Touchdown, Jesus. Touchdown. That was called back. <laughs> but we got it anyways, which I think is a fantastic story. But that's what's standing out today, at least. Those are the good days. Yeah, man. A lot of storied, like, peewee football memories as well. <laughs> Which it like those were the and I just can't help but think how much fun my old man had with some of that shit because like a lot of it was him involved too. There we go. I think he killed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. You asked, we answered. Got any other questions? What do you want to know? Training, nutrition, life questions. You want to know if you should get a dog or a cat? Maybe that's maybe, maybe that's the next one. Maybe that's the next one. Uh, let us know. Give us a ring. The hotline is open and the hotline is hot. It is, that number is 929-464-4640. That number spells 929-ing-ing. Zero. zero. That's right. Oh. Oh? No, zero. Oh. No, O is going to be eight, I think. Uh, seven? What letter is O? 929-464-464-0. I was Call, adding an echo. Text. Oh, I get it. But until next time... Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!